Hello, New Jersey. This is Equalize, the Garden State Equality Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Gonzalez Goldstein, and we're coming to you from Lake House Recording Studios in Asbury Park, New Jersey. You're listening right now, so you probably already know. But if you don't, Garden State Equality is New Jersey's largest LGBTQ advocacy and educational organization. Every episode, we'll be sitting down with the movers and shakers in New Jersey about what's happening with LGBTQ equality and Garden State Equality's work. Before we get started, I just want to introduce myself a little bit further. I am a queer trans woman. I love to play Dungeons & Dragons, and I'm a music producer. I want to get more involved in the queer community, and I'm really excited to be hosting this podcast today. Today, we'll be talking about the New Jersey LGBTQ inclusive curriculum law that's coming to public schools in the fall of 2020, and the work that Garden State Equality is doing to develop that curriculum. But first, we're going to start off with a high school student and an unusual path the school took with this new law. Here's one of our producers, Jessica Dresch. Imagine your high school hallways. Off-white, cinder block walls. Boring. Like any moment they can melt into a bowl of cottage cheese. Now imagine those same hallways, but with new sudden life and vibrancy and colors radiating off the walls to whoever walks by. And maybe it's a rocket ship blasting into space, or a hot dog stand in Times Square. Or maybe it's a heart, a rainbow heart. And there's this one mural in particular that we're going to talk about on today's show that was able to capture all of that magic, all of that, let me stop and look at this and just appreciate it. And this mural started with two high school students who had a vision and a voice they wanted to amplify in their community, which led to national controversy and the involvement of the Catholic Church, but ultimately led to a resolution for the LGBTQ community across New Jersey. So right now I'm here with Bree Georges. Hi, Bree. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. For those people at home that don't know, could you tell us a little bit more about Keith Haring and why he was so important to the LGBT community? He's an artist, and he was active in New York in the 80s. And he was openly gay, and he got his actually painting murals in Catholic institutions. But then people, you know, found out that he was gay, but people um, also found out that he was HIV positive, and obviously there was a lot of stigma around those two things at the time. He used to paint in, like, subways. He used to, he started to become, like, a graffiti artist. And his art really didn't get the recognition that it truly deserved until um, he unfortunately passed. Um, and I think that's true for a lot of artists, especially queer artists. And, you know, it was unfortunate, but, you know, today he is remembered as an important figure, but also as an activist. He coined the phrase crack is whack, which was used as a slogan to fight the crack epidemic in inner cities and to um, address the issue of drugs within marginalized communities. So you mentioned that uh, Keith Haring, he originally was painting murals in churches. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting considering the direction that this story takes. Yeah, irony. Do you know whether or not he was a religious guy? Um, I, I really don't. I don't think that he was particularly religious, especially considering a lot of like the struggles that he went through. I think 
But again, a lot of his memoirs, like he had very dark thoughts and he never really mentioned having this salvation in God or anything. I just think he loved people and he wanted to share his art. And to him, you know, art was love. Well, Keith Herring is a young artist who specializes in graffiti. He began in the New York subways and he has surfaced with major shows around the world. In this article, I, it said uh, a student who was watching you do this. He stood behind you watching you <coughs> paint these babies and dogs, and he finally got up enough courage to say, why are you doing this? And Keith said, he's quoted as saying, it's for you. Do you get a lot of thank yous? Uh, yeah. That's one of the things that has kept me, especially in the subways, has kept me going back over and over to keep doing this because I've run into so many appreciative people um, of all ages and all kinds of people that really enjoy seeing them there. So. Okay, so, um, so you paint the mural. You go to school, you paint this mural. Uh, what happened? Well, everyone had been working on the murals for like a week and a half before anything happened. Um, and you know, when we were painting, they were, they would, like, students would, like, would, like, walk out of class to watch us painting and be like, oh, my God, you guys are so talented. Teachers would come down and be like, you guys are making uh, the school so much prettier. And, like, one of our administrators, he came down and he was like, God, I've been wanting to, like, paint this lunchroom forever. I'm so glad you guys are doing this. So there was a lot of excitement, you know, for all of us to be doing this. But you know, I walked in one day and my partner who was working on the mural with me had told me that the church had a problem with it. No one else is just mine, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Bree's public charter high school pays rent to the Holy Trinity Catholic Church across the street. And charter schools are similar to regular public schools in that they must abide by separation of church and state. And in their lease agreement, the church makes sure to mention its Catholic values. Quote, due to the Catholic nature of the landlord, tenant promises to conduct no affairs or establish any organizations that would be contrary to its Catholic moral values, ethics, and faith. Unquote. So how did the church even find out that this mural was in your school? The Father Paul, who is, you know, like the main priest of that church, he took issue. He took a video of the mural, um, calling it disgusting and inappropriate. Um, so he was not happy with it. He sent it to uh, the CEO of iLearn, Mr. Gervergen. And Gervergen literally just called the uh, principal of my school and was like, deal with it. Like, no regard, just deal with it flat out. Um, so there was a lot of pressure to fix it and silence it because they didn't want any issues with the church because we rent, our school, we pay rent to this private institution, to this church, and that's an issue. So how did the school respond when they, when they heard these complaints from the church? Well, 
it was honestly it was really disorganized and just jumbled out of the blue walking in the hallway I found out and I was on my way to AP Lang and I couldn't like I was so overwhelmed as soon as I walked into the class I was I just broke down and I went to the art room and started talking to my art teacher and I was crying and like having a panic attack because I didn't know what this was going to turn into. And, um, you know, the conversation that we had was, you know, like we could just, um, we don't have to cover up the the rainbow um, or anything, you know, like we'll fix this, uh, maybe get rid of the, the symbols under because there were gender symbols uh, under. Um, there was also a phrase, I wrote a phrase on it, um, ignorance equals fear. And then I walk in the next day and it's covered up. My the rainbow is covered up. The gender symbols are covered up. Um, the background is painted in white. Anything that had to do with LGBT things was painted in white. It was just it was gone. I walked in and it was like everything had been erased. What what was the next step for you? You you realize you this happened to you and you decided okay I need to do something about this. What how did that come about? Well, in this situation, like, I felt stuck. And I didn't know what to do. But I have a history of, like, activism and being, you know, adamant on social justice issues. Um, and I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do with my life. I want to be an activist. I want to be, like, a person who can, like, speak out. So... I turned to social media and I tweeted this thing not expecting to get any attention. I sent the tweet to an activist who is like very prominent. His name is DeRay and he's a Black Lives Matter uh, activist, but he's also queer. And um, I sent it to him and I was like, you know, if you could give me any advice on the situation, that would be like incredible. And he ended up retweeting it. <laughs> It started to get attention from these really prominent um, people in the political sphere. And um, I think that's when it really, truly took off. And I was like, you know what? This is something that, like, I can turn this into something good. So would you mind actually reading the tweet for us so we can, so that the listeners know what's up? Yeah, no problem. So the tweet is, so my school's owned by a Catholic church, and they want me to take down my Keith Herring mural that supports the LGBT community. They think it's inappropriate and wrong for a school setting. I'm heartbroken, and I really never thought this could actually happen. Please help. And then I attached a bunch of pictures of my mural, the rainbow heart, the figures, all of that. So once your tweet blew up, yeah, uh, where did where did you go from there? My school didn't find out about the tweet until news outlets started contacting me. So every news outlet under the sun wanted to run the story on it. A charter school in Hackensack changes a mural after a church raises concern. This is the original version with the rainbow flag at the center. Students at the Bergen Arts and Science Charter School painted it in their cafeteria. The school rents space from Holy Trinity Church. Well, this is the modified version painted over with a red heart. Administrators say they respect our artistic freedom and church directives as a landlord. Their lease agreement includes a stipulation about Catholic like values. A, a representative from ABC wanted to interview me on camera. 
all of these people were chiming in. The media was having a frenzy with it. So um, there was a meeting that I had with my principal in regards to the tweet and uh, news. And he was like, we, you know, this is an important year. This, this is a high school. It's not the White House. You can't make a big changes here. And I was standing my ground and being like, I beg to differ. If anybody is going to make changes, it's us. Power to you. Yeah. I mean, just look at like everything that is happening in this country. Um, the true voice of people, the true people who are speaking out against this are the youth and um, particularly people of color, um, queer youth, all of these oppressed groups who are just tired of seeing all of this intergenerational trauma from their parents, things that they've experienced, these institutional systems that have oppressed us for so long. You know, we're tired of it and we're speaking up against them because it's our responsibility. And I told my principal all of this, you know, a high school is a perfect place to start a revolution. A lot of people would argue that all this hate stems from ignorance. What has your school done in terms of LGBT education? Is that something you talk about in class? Um, my school's admin or any of the higher-ups, you know, they don't have any, um, they, they haven't said, you know, like, we need to be teaching LGBT topics. Um, my teachers, you know, they bring those things up. Like, in my sociology class, in my AP psychology class. Um, but, you know, in our main courses, the courses that we're required to take to graduate, like um, history, English, these um, these courses, you know, topics like LGBT things, they're not really um, stressed or mentioned. Um, they don't, they're oftentimes glossed over. Um, but, you know, we don't explicitly discuss Stonewall. Even in AP U.S. history class, we don't discuss even, like, the events of Paris' burning. You know, we don't discuss these really important cultural and social phenomenon that have shaped the fabric of this country and the world, frankly. Um, you know, it's not even mentioned on the exams. And I think that speaks volumes to where we are um, and how easy it is to erase LGBTQ plus identities. Absolutely. And and who are some of those LGBTQ figures that you really look up to that you'd love to talk about in your classes? Well, I mean, Keith Haring, for one, you know, just as an artistic figure, um, even like somebody like RuPaul, he has really important cultural and social significance. You know, he's gay, he's black, he grew up poor, but, you know, he he made so much of himself just with his queer identity. Um, even people like Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, you know, I'm Venezuelan and Sylvia Rivera is Venezuelan. And even just as a brown person, as a person of color, as a Latino person, you know, we're not represented in this country enough. And, you know, somebody like Sylvia Rivera could provide so much more than LGBTQ plus representation. It provides representation for trans women, for people of color, um, for uh, Latino people in particular. And I think it's an important thing 
to stress, that's why LGBT curriculum is so important because it it means that these topics are necessary, that you have no choice. You have to teach these important things. Bree, you are such an icon. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Oh, my God. You're, like, going to make me cry. I've, actually, I've never been called an icon. I love that. Well, uh, thank you for joining me today. And um, I wish you the best in your future endeavors. I'll definitely be keeping an ear out for you. Yeah. No, oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to Gardens of Equality. Thank Bye-bye. you. <laughs> Bye. I'm sitting here with Ashley Chiapano from Garden State Equality. Hi, Ashley. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you do for Garden State Equality? So um, at Garden State Equality, I am the Safe Schools and Community Education Manager. I'm responsible for all the programming in uh, public schools as well as any community space. Um, so that could be the library. Uh, that could be uh, any space where LGBTQIA uh, people exist. So that's pretty much anywhere. So how do you first hear about the situation with Brie and her mural getting painted over? Um, I was actually um, not in the office uh, the day that that happened. I was working from home, and I got an email from John, um, our uh, communications manager. And, you know, he shared with me that, you know, a student had tweeted out uh, an experience that she had at her school about her mural being painted over, you know, what it meant to her. And, um, you know, his words were, this is going to make a huge impact. Like, I really think we need to reach out to this student. You know, do you have any contacts in the Hackensack, Bergen area? Um, So uh, we got together and made it happen and were able to get in contact with Bree. Bree told us about how Garden State Equality was really helpful to her. And how exactly were you guys able to help her? So in part of my role as the Safe Schools and Community Education Manager, um, I am able to advocate for students directly. We get calls all the time from students who have experienced harassment, intimidation and bullying or, you know, any issue regarding their sexual orientation, gender identity or expression in a school setting. So the way that I was able to support Brianna was to reach out and say, I will contact your school. I will plan a meeting that is um, restorative in practice, right? And restorative in practice meaning that all parties are going to come together and have an open dialogue that's facilitated or mediated to be able to have a positive conclusion, right, or a positive uh, change, right? We didn't want what happened to her to be forgotten. Uh, This happened during Pride Month. So this happened at a critical time, I guess, for non the non-LGBTQ community, people that, you know, cisgender or straight folks um, are paying a little bit more attention during June, right? So making sure that the message continued and understanding that it's not just about a mural being painted over, right? It's about her identity being erased in a visual way. She's now the leader of our Queer Youth Advisory Board um, with our LGBTQ inclusive curriculum. So... In layman's terms, what is the LGBTQ inclusive curriculum law? So generally speaking, the law says that LGBTQ topics are to be discussed in public schools starting in fifth grade. 
Um, but moreover, it lists um, some specific areas in which LGBTQ people have contributed. So it asks educators, uh, administrators, and school boards to talk about positively and accurately the political, social, and economic contributions of LGBTQ people and people with disabilities. So we are currently in the process with a team of 10 curriculum writers um, writing LGBTQ inclusive curriculum um, across all subject areas. So yes, I, I also agree that LGBTQ specific history is important, but the truth of the matter is, is that only talking about the history of the movement is not enough. Uh, making sure that lessons are inclusive, whether you're in math or science, English, art class. There are so many places where affirmation and in inclusivity can be interjected in existing lessons. The only caveat um, to this is that the law does list that school boards, individual school boards, are able to decide what curriculum they can choose. So that means there are lots of curriculum options out there, not just what Garden State Equality is doing at the moment. Um, though our goal and what we are doing is to have it be free and accessible, um, we are also working on a pilot program to really test if this curriculum is going to make an impact or a change. Um, so our LGBTQ inclusive curriculum pilot program um, will be uh, starting January of 2020, and it will go to June 2020. So it's a six-month pilot program. We will be working in 12 New Jersey schools um, in different demographic areas with different student populations in 5th, 8th, 10th, and 12th grade classrooms. Um, our Queer Youth Advisory Committee, uh, which is being led by Bree, um, along with a group of community members, um, we'll be reviewing the curriculum. We'll get feedback um, through some data collection before and after surveys, really the opportunity for educators to share what it was like to teach a lesson and students to share what it was like to experience a lesson. The, the work we're doing in this space is really to create the opportunity for students um, and educators to see themselves in the stories and the lessons that we share. How, how do you think it's been hurtful um, for queer students that currently aren't learning about LGBT history? How does, how does that affect them? So we know that um, students have shared with us that when they're in a classroom and pieces of history that they are fully aware of are skipped, that they are literally being ignored. I'm a parent of a child who identifies as gender nonconforming. Uh, my kiddo is in going to second grade. And I find it very interesting when I go to teachers and say, you know, hey, this is my kiddo and this is how they identify. And let me just share some ways to be affirming and inclusive. Um, and I sometimes get the answer that we can't talk about that topic. We can't talk about gender identity. And I say all the time, well, you talk about gender all the time, right? What we talk about typically boys on this side and girls on that side, or we talk about um, you know, the role in families, right? We talk about gender roles, right? You are talking about gender. What I'm asking you is to have a gender diverse conversation and not just limited to what's currently in the curriculum, right? So um, I know for my kid, not being able to um, have the tools or have a classroom setting where they can pull a book or pull a piece of information or a lesson 
that they can say, oh, that's me, right? That's me. I get it. Um, is hard and it's hurtful and it makes you question um, who you are, right? It makes you think about those things more often than you should or more often than you need to. So how, how is the work you're doing at Garden State Equality empowering queer youth like Brie? I think, you know, legislatively having a law passed is a huge piece of this. Um, having young people understand how important legislative change can be. Garden State Equality has an education fund and, and does legislative work. So having the connection to those two things and saying, hey, if you have a vision for change, here's how you can do it. Pay attention to what's happening in your school first, in your school community. If you don't like what something's ha something that's happening in your school community, go to your principal or superintendent. If you want a GSA, a Gender and Sexuality Alliance or a club, and you feel like students are not being um, connected in a way that you think, right? Asked to start that, go to your school board. That message of saying that you can be a social justice leader in a space as small as a school community is a really huge piece of what somebody goes and does later in their life. I mean, that's why we have the Queer Youth Advisory Committee, right? We know that as adults, writing this curriculum and folks that have experience in the space of curriculum writing or curriculum development may not have the same vision or expertise or experience or have experienced the world the way in which a 14, 15, 16, or 18-year-old queer youth would, right? So making sure that we are not missing the vision of young people is our main concern because these are our leaders, right? These are the people that are going to be making decisions for our country, for their communities, for our state in years to come. It was really great having you here today. I just want to say, before this interview, you said that you're not cool, and the work you're doing is very cool, <laughs> and you're a, and a very a very inspiring person. So, thanks. Um, but thank you, thank for, you, thank you for being here and taking the time to be interviewed by me. You're welcome. After a talk with Garden State Equality, Bree School agreed to be one of 12 public schools across New Jersey to participate in the test pilot program for the LGBTQ inclusive curriculum. As for the mural, Brie taped up a sign saying, Mila and I, Brianna, painted this mural to pay homage to an important queer historical figure. The school was not silenced or in vain. I'm still here, I'm still queer. Nothing anyone can do can change that. Love yourself, love everyone. That's what will fix the world. Taking down a child's mural changes nothing. Thank you so much for listening to our first episode of Equalize. I had an amazing time talking with these inspirational and insightful people. Feel free to reach out to us by searching Garden State Equality on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This episode was engineered by Genevieve Nelson, music by Jem Seidel, and produced by Jessica Dresch. My name is Jay, and I hope you have a really great day. Hug someone you love, drink six cups of water. See you next time. <laughs>